Bring our next Bibles to Exodus, Exodus chapter 17. Exodus 17. Um, before we read, I just want to just, you know, I want to talk a little bit about baseball. Who likes baseball? Who likes baseball? Yeah. Uh, it's can be known as America's pastime. I don't I think I think that's still the case. Um I do think there's too many games. I can't keep up with it all season. But I do enjoy baseball, and I, I, do, I think I like it. It's the simplicity of it. And there's a certain aspect of, of baseball that I think has gotten into our culture. It's even, it's even affected our laws. Um, everybody knows this, regardless. How many, how many chances do you get to swing at the, at the ball? How many? Three. Three strikes, and you're out. Okay, like it's so that that's that's everybody knows that. Okay, I think people all around the world knows how many strikes do you get? How many chances do you get to hit this ball? You know, you know you can you can get a strike without swinging. If it's over the plate, you're you're done. But you get you get three, and this is so. And it make it makes sense to us. Maybe it's because of the Trinity. It's just a perfect number, right? Maybe that is that it. I don't know who when they made the well they didn't say four. That sounds that feels weird, doesn't it? Two's not enough. Three seems just right. And three strikes, you're out. You have to go sit. You're done. And and it's and it's affected parenting, hasn't it? But like in your mind, have you ever said, Look, I'm not telling you a third time. Because you know what? In your mind, it's effect three is all you get, right? And then there's discipline. Like some parents fall. Something, you know, uh, my parents would give me three, and then they would always go, you know, our parents only gave us one. And I was like, that didn't seem right. Why? Because three strikes, you're out. You at least get three. And it's even affected our laws. We have a law. You know, like, the, like what? how many times before you can get out and get parole? Well, it used to be a law. Three strikes and you're out. Three offenses and then the next one becomes a felony. And I might be getting that wrong. But we, you've heard that law, right? It just it permeates our idea. You, you get how many chances? Three. We're coming now to this text where Israel finds themselves up to the plate and they, and they swing and they miss. It's the third strike. <laughs> I just wanted you to see it in that way. Here we are, the third strike. And with that, you have all these ideas of what should come next. You're dealing with a holy God, a mighty God, a just God. He's provided and provided. He's helped. He's rescued. And then he gives them these opportunities. And we're reading the third strike. We're, it's what we're reading. We're reading about the third strike. And, and uh, you, might, you might be familiar with this text. You might have heard it before. But I just think about it in those terms and what, you, what seems right <laughs> to you. And I want us to be delighted and surprised by what actually happens. So, with that said, let's read God's Word together. This is Exodus 17, 1-7. All the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by the stages, according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped at Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. 
Therefore the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people grumbled against Moses and said, Why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried to the Lord, to Yahweh, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, And you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. So Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah because of the quarreling of the people of Israel and because they tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord among us or not? The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. There's two points here I want you to see and two things we're going to look at. That first, we're going to see how Israel tests the Lord and what that even means. And we see that in verses 1 through 4. And secondly, we're going to see that um, the Lord makes His presence known. Israel tests the Lord and then the Lord makes His presence known. Those are our two points um, today. Um, again, this is familiar. This is the... The third time, as I said, that they have quarreled, they have, they have um, you know, argued with him um, since coming out of Egypt, since crossing through the, the Red Sea. Um, they, they, they grumbled uh, before God when they came to um, Mara, which is, means bitter, because they came to this pool that the water was bitter or poisonous, they couldn't drink it, and they grumbled, and like, what have you done, God? Are you gonna, have you brought us out here to thirst? Again, this sounds very familiar. I mean, it's almost the exact same ha- has happened before, and God did what? He, through, through supernatural means, through th- throwing a, a log or stick into the waters, the waters became pure and sweet, and they could drink. And then the very next scene, they, they, well, they, then they go to this beautiful oasis where there's these uh, multiple springs and palm trees and food there. And then he takes them on to a place where there's no food. And they cry out again, Lord, what have you done? And they grumble and they're just, God, what, why have you brought us here? And then he gives them abundantly, right? In the, in the evening, he brings quail. And then in the morning, there's manna. And every morning, there's manna, except for the Sabbath when he gives them not only manna, he gives them rest. You realize that in that just last week, he gave them meat, bread, and rest. And the food and the rest are perpetual throughout their time in the wilderness. He gives abundantly, he gives fully, and he even gives them a day off. Slaves, again, think about the impact. Slaves who've never known a day off, who've never enjoyed rest here. It's like, I'm a God not who gives abundantly and even wants you to rest. Why? Because that's who I am and that's how I made all things. There was a day of rest and I want you to, 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 to feel that and know that. And, 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 and so, strike one, strike two, and here we are. Experienced 
deliverance, experience walking through the Red Sea, and here they are a third time at the plate. Adversity hits, and they strike out. And it's not just that they do the same thing again. With each of these occurrences, with each of these times where Israel's just, again, as we said last week, living by sight and not by faith, with each one of these, their disappointment and their faithlessness, like, it escalates. We go from grumbling. You know what grumbling is. Sometimes it's, you know. Sometimes you can't even, don't even, you can't even know what it's, like, parents know what grumbling is. What did you say? You know, I don't know what you said, but I could tell it wasn't a compliment. <laughs> it wasn't, I love you. I don't want to do that. Stop that grumbling, right? That's what they were doing, grumbling. Now, it says they grumble, but now what else do they do? They quarrel. Or another way to translate the word is to strive against. And you, you see it, like it's not just, uh, it's, you are wrong, God. And you, and you realize that the, the accusation is not just kind of like, are you there? It's saying, it's, and there's a question at the very end, what, what was going on? What was this testing? What was this quarreling? It was like, are you even among us? Which isn't a question, it's like, are you there? You know, can you hear me now? It wasn't that, it's, it's an accusation, isn't it? Sometimes we ask questions, there's more accusation. It's not, I, I'm, I'm looking for some information, it's, you're not really with us. Sometimes we ask a question, we're really making a statement. That's what they're doing. You, you're, you don't even care. Quarreling, striving against. You know, like, Moses, turn this car around. This is not where we should be. What are you doing? No. This is wrong. There's no water. There's, there's not even a bitter pool. There's nothing. Apparently, your idea is to get us out here, not to kill us, but to kill us, our children, and our livestock. That is your God. That is what you seem to be set on doing. Striving against. It's open rebellion. That's what it is. Not only do they quarrel, they test God. They test Him. Now, we've seen the first, the first couple of instances, we see that it says that God's testing them. Again, and why do, why do teachers give tests? To make our lives miserable. No. Why do teachers give, give tests? To teach. That's the ultimate... Again, I, I, no one likes tests. I don't like tests. I remember taking my final... Um, uh, exam on the floor of Presbytery to be ordained. I'm like, no more tests. Ah, you know, that, and that in the academic sense, right? Oh, good. And you know, some, some folks are getting close to graduate and they're going, oh, no more tests. But college, there's tests. Oh, yeah. Um, but, but the test is there to teach. And that's what God tested. Not because He's trying to hurt them or, 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 or do them wrong, but He wants them to know what? To know He's there. To know He's reliable. To show that He is truly the God of Israel and is a faithful God. It's to 
teach them this truth. But what, is, what does it mean when Israel tests God? It's, again, it's just, it's not to teach God. It's not that, it's just, it's just open rebellion. It's going, I'm going to be, it's, it's exactly what happened in the garden. It's, it's exactly what happened when Eve said, you know what, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to know good and evil. I, I'm going to be like God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, no, here's the standard of God, you submit to me. I know best. And you are not meeting my standards. And just think about it. That's really the, that's what, that's what every sin comes down to. And you put it that way, it sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? If you believe in a God who's holy and just and all-powerful, can you imagine? Okay, imagine, dudes, you're in a social situation and a guy that's, that's 7 foot, 300 pounds, full muscle, and you go, listen, buddy, you need to move. Nobody would do that, right? Unless you're very impaired. That's why fights happen at bars, right? That, that happens. But you, you're seeing the world completely in a skewed way, right? There's, there's no logic, you know, I'm 5'8", 7 foot. This is not going to work. No one's going to pick a fight with Shaquille O'Neal. That make, you go, duh. But think, think of, that's what, sin, that's what this is. No, God. And again, while, while they're saying this, there's the pillar of cloud and fire right there. They've, there's manna in their baskets. What are you doing? What are you doing to us? You're wrong. Are you with us or not? This becomes a... A warning for centuries to come, this testing that happens. You know, Psalm, uh, the psalmist, Psalm 78 talks about it. Yet they sin still more against him, rebelling against the Most High in the desert. They tested God in their heart by demanding food they crave. They spoke against God, saying, Can God spread a table in the wilderness? Again, Psalm 78, 17-22. He struck the rock so that water gushed out and streams overflowed. But, um, but he says, Can he also give bread or provide meat for his people? They, they, they tested him and said, don't, don't do this. And Psalm 95, again, he says, uh, For he is our God and we are the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day at Manasseh in the wilderness when your fathers um, put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. And even in the New Testament... Paul looks back on this, these events and this, this time just going, it's a, it's a lesson for us today. This is 1 Corinthians 10, 6. He goes, now, these things took place as examples for us. And this is important because sometimes we, we look back at the Old Testament and go, what? okay, it's good to know the stories. But why do we need to know the stories? Well, here, Paul, New Testament, saying, these are examples that we may not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual morality as some of them did. And, and, and it talks about the, 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 um, the, the judgment he brought upon them. And that, that will come. Then he goes on in verse 9. We, we must not put Christ to the test 
if some of them did and were destroyed. Verse 11, this happened to them as an example. But they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. God puts us to the test. God tests His people to teach, but this testing, the testing that Israel does, is not to teach. It's, it's putting it's, it's the arrogance, the pride of sin, where we say, I'm gonna, God, I'm going to teach you something. You have to show me what you're about. You have to meet my standards. Awful. Have you ever thought these things in your heart? Let me just ask you. <laughs> Have you ever said it out loud? I'm not talking about in a prayer. I'm talking about to someone else. that you're, I, I, I don't know what God's doing. Have you ever said that? Are you convicted by that? If you are good, good. It's okay to take our complaints, to take our worries to the Lord, but we, because of our flesh, we, we can... And the, and the heat and the circumstances of life, we can just really do exactly what, what Israel does. God, are you even with me here? Do you even care? Even when I, can, I can't even count the number of ways God has shown His love and care to me, I can still get to that point of just... Because I get overwhelmed by what I see, what's before me. Living by sight and not by faith. Israel goes on from grumbling to quarreling. Goes on from, we see God testing His people to teach His love, to them trying to turn the tables and test Him. And then the next point is this, God's going to make His presence known. Now as I say that, and you pretend like you hadn't read the whole passage, and go back to that idea of third strike, God's about to make His presence known. Look what it says. Moses, go get the elders. Moses, take them to the mountain. Moses, get the staff. What was that staff used for? It's a staff that brought judgment, wasn't it? Think about the plagues. Think about that. What did, he took that staff and put it over the Nile, and what happened? Blood. Water can't turn to blood. It was bad. This was not a good thing. Open rebellion, and Moses has his staff in hand. He's gathering all the leaders of Israel and saying, You come with me. And they walk up to Mount Horeb. This is not where they were camping. They had to walk away. <laughs> Do you imagine being one of the elders just on the walk? I mean, that's not really... What do you think... I don't know. What do you think you're about to see? I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I don't know, I don't know how much time it took. I probably, but, you know, if it took more than five minutes, I'm starting to go, I think we messed up. What's going to happen? What's going to happen is grace. <laughs> What's going to happen is plentiful provision. 
That's amazing. And we, so sometimes we, we read this and we just kind of go by it. It's, it's, it's a Bible. It's saying Bible things. But it, think how... I'm, look, look what happens. That instead of this, this staff that has symbolized God's just righteous judgment against His enemies, against hard-hearted Pharaoh, now we have a, His hard-hearted people and He's taken each of their representatives from all the tribes and that like, you come with me and it's kind of like the image is like, you know, going, mom or dad's got a switch and you're going to come with me. It's kind of, I mean, like, you know, really that's, <laughs> and, and they go and they're up there and then what happens is beautiful, abundant provision. shows not through his righteous judgment and wrath that he is with them he shows them through his grace that yes in fact I am with you we learn three wonderful things as we as God does this 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 one beautiful act of grace and mercy and provision shows us three things um, first uh, well first the first thing is we learn that 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 God is faithful that that it's not it's not the 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 faith of Israel it's not it's not that their that their um, their goodness that 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 um, determines God's how God's going to act toward them it's His character it's His covenant faithfulness that in a sense one writer Ligon Duncan says he's he's preparing them for the giving of the law here Ligon Duncan says this way he says the lesson is not it's okay to disobey God that it's no big deal that's not the lesson the lesson is this when I get you to Sinai and give you my commands do not think that salvation works this way that when do you obey, you save yourselves, and I bless you. Before you ever got to Sinai, you learned that you did not earn your salvation and you don't deserve your salvation. You are going to falter and fail every step of the way along the line, and I'm still going to bless you because your salvation doesn't depend upon your goodness, on your deeds. It depends upon my covenant promise. See, God is debunking the idea of an earned salvation, of a work salvation before the children of Israel ever get to Sinai. Imagine being there and seeing this event, seeing the, the, the rock being struck and, and from, from nothing, from dry stone, water flowing down, flowing down, Horeb, flowing down all the way to the camp, tracing probably their steps. Again, this wasn't, it wasn't in the middle of the camp. This, the elders saw it, but the waters reached all the way down the mountain to where Israel was encamped. For them, they were just sitting there in the desert complaining. Now they've taken the elders. They might not come back. <laughs> you know? They might have been starting to elect. Okay, we need to have an elder election. Uh, and then all of a sudden, water starts flowing down the mountain. The other thing we learn here Is that God knows what He's doing? <laughs> this sounds like a like a duh 
But again, what, when, we, when we face adversity, when we face struggles, when we, we're overwhelmed, God knows what He's doing. Let's look back at that reflection that I read at the beginning of the service from, from, from Otir. Our Creator God never ceases to work out His purposes. He's, he's, it's, everything's intentional when it comes to the universe, to His, His people Israel, to the church, and to every individual in Christ. Like There is nothing that is accidental. There is never a point where He is unaware of the goings-on in His world. And nothing ever touches us except by God's determination in accordance with His will in order to achieve His purpose. And I love this. He is too great and loves us too much to allow it to be otherwise. He's showing us that salvation is not by works. It's, 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 that it's, it's not tied up in your performance. It's tied up in God's faithfulness. But also He's showing, I really do, because I love you, I'm taking you exactly to where I want you and where you need to be. And I struggle with that. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. Like, I know what all of you, a lot of you are going through right now. I know there's some really hard things going on in your lives. In the, you know, and I know you're going, how can God bring good from this? What is He doing? I am, Lord, I'm tired of the tests. <laughs> no more tests. But we got to know that He's teaching us through those tests. And there's the purpose is to draw us away. Every time, it's not, not to push us away, but every time to draw us nearer to Himself. To bring us to the end of ourselves. To bring us to the end of our resources. The end of our understanding. And go, God, I need you. Help me. And, and, and again, I say this again and again, but it's the lie that goes on repeat in my own head. Just because it's hard doesn't mean... You're living wrong. Just because it's hard doesn't mean God's rejected you. And again, that's what Israel is, is struggling with. God, are you even there? Are you even with us? The answer is always yes. And everything is to and for the purpose of teaching us this wonderful truth. He is with us. He's for us. He loves us. He's enough. He will provide. He will help. Amen. We learn that God knows what He's doing, that He's faithful. We learn that salvation, that His faithfulness is not contingent upon our obedience, but, but by His grace and because of His covenant faithfulness. And finally, God makes His presence known by showing us how He can be merciful. How Judgment cannot, doesn't come down upon these rebels. Where is God standing? He's not only among them. He says, I want you to go. I want you to take this, this staff. The staff that has brought judgment and wrath. And guess what? You're going to hit the rock and I'm going to be standing on the rock. That's not accidental. That's not just a way to let us know He was there. First part of 1 Corinthians 10 says this. This is verse 1. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. 
And all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. This is a picture, not only a picture, this is the good news of the gospel. God is showing a glimpse of how He can love this people, how He can keep showing grace, because He stands on the rock and He receives the blow. And from that reality, because He is a God who stands in our place and receives the judgment, He can provide... Springs of water. And that's why Jesus, when he's in his ministry, he's talking to the woman at the well and goes, I am the water. I am the water who will bring life. I, if you, you can come and I would bring, you know, she, she says, because if you had asked me, I would have given you water and you would never thirst again. And so we have this idea, this beautiful idea where, where from, from this point on, we see references to God being the rock. Deuteronomy 32.4, the rock, his work is perfect for all the ways are just. A God of faithfulness without iniquity, just and upright is he. Deuteronomy 32.15, but, but uh, Jeshurun, the faithful people grew fat and kicked and you grew, you grew fat, stout and sleek. But then he forsook God who made him and scoffed at the rock of his salvation. He's describing God's people forsaking him and, and doubting him. Him who is what? The rock of their salvation. Jesus. This is the the cross fulfilled this where Jesus, the, the wrath of God comes down upon Him and He takes the death blow. He is struck, as it says in Isaiah 53. It says, Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed Him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. Because He was pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities, we can receive new life, salvation through Him. This is beautiful. That before the law is given, before the, the, the law is written on the tablets, He says, Do not think I'm giving you a standard you can keep. Do not think you deserve this. Do not think I'm giving you a way to, to, be, to approach me. I have made the way. And all my goodness and all my grace and all my love comes because I, I deem it so. And I love you so much, I'm willing to stand in the gap and stand upon the rock and take the blow. And from that, life flows forth. Jesus does what Israel cannot do. He does what we cannot do. When He was put to the test when he was in the wilderness and was thirsty and hungry. What happened? The devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. You have, put, you have put God to the test. I've put God to the test. 
But because Jesus never did, He can be that righteous, perfect substitute. Because He's God, He can take that, that, that wrath upon Himself and make a way for us to survive, not only to survive, to thrive, and to have life abundantly, even here in the wilderness. We see here that Jesus Himself is present, offering satisfaction and quenching of your deepest thirst by Himself, with Himself. He gives Himself to you and me. He's giving Himself for His people, and we see that clearly in this event. Is the Lord among us or not? Answer is yes. He makes Himself known by saying, Though you are, fa- though you are faith- faithless, I am faithful. I love you. And even in your testing, even in your struggle, I will stand there. I will, I will make a way. And I will satisfy you. Only me. Um, if, you, uh, if you are a Christian here today... Um, we're about to take of the supper and, and again to be reminded that it's only Jesus Christ who can satisfy. And God does make a way that this meal is not for people who got everything right this week. But for people who, who know they're loved by God and he, He's disciplined them and He's rebuked them and He's by His Spirit has made their sins known and they've come to confess that you are a person who's that is very aware of your sin and your need of God's grace and that you're a recipient of God's grace. If you believe that, if you believe it and you are struggling, even this week, to, if, even struggling to believe it, you believe it, you want to believe it more, this meal is for you. Come and take of it. Um, if you're not a Christian or you're new to this, if it, if it rocked your world to hear that, that three strikes, you're not out, like if you're, you're trying to reconcile that, how can that be? Come talk to us. This is what the good news is. The good news is not what are you doing for God, but what has God done for you through His Son, Jesus Christ. And even in the Old Testament, He's pointing to this reality. He will take the death blow. He will take the wrath and provide life. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank You for this, Your Word. We pray that You would... Work it deep into our hearts, into our bones, and that we would know that you are a God of grace, a God, who, a God of loving faithfulness, loving kindness, covenant faithfulness. And because of that, we are secure. We have real rest, real joy, real assurance. We have bad days. We struggle in the heat and the, and the stress of life. We've cried out for you and we've cried out against you. We've quarreled. We've tested. Forgive us. And we thank you that in Christ there is forgiveness. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.